When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you want interesting and entertaining debate on the Premier League and other English leagues, but from a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, then check out The Whistleblowers. It's a weekly football podcast hosted by me. I used to play football, Martin Gritton, uh, stand-up Mark Smith when he can, and music manager Gareth Dobson, who uh, always has plenty of good chat, being a Spurs fan. Um we basically get football writers in to have a chat as well. And we talk about the stories that matter in English football, whether it's on the pitch or off it. It's free to listen to iTunes, Acast, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, or you can download the Whistleblowers app. And follow us on Twitter at Football Podcast. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the Chelsea. One minute it rains goals for us at both ends of the pitch as we couldn't stop scoring goals and we couldn't stop leaking goals. And now we have neither. I can't believe how happy I am after two goalless draws. But I am. Dare I say we may, may have turned a corner or we have to find a way to partner attack and defence in harmony. That's all we have to do. And talking of partners, my sometimes civil partner in Chelsea Blather is here as always, Mr Andy Saunders. How are you, mate? OK? I'm, I'm all right. How are you? How are you? Oh, you know, lovely blue skies here in St Albans, I have to say. Well, that's good. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty nice here as well, even with the confusion of clocks going forwards, backwards, rather. See what I did there? Um, yeah. I, do you like that moment when the clocks change? No, no, because <laughs> it signals winter, doesn't it, really? It signals the evenings getting darker. Uh, so, no, I don't like it. Why would you like it? <laughs> well, apparently it's good for the morning and supposedly it's a fallacy about Scottish farmers, but other people say it's not because it was meant to be introduced to help farming in the mornings, I believe. But nobody will actually testify that's totally 100% true. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always kind of this day is a weird marking point of the turn of, of night time being more prevalent in our daytime. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't really like it. It's actually the most depressing mm. day. It's OK at the moment. It's a nice bright day. But come quarter to five when the sun goes down and we're all sitting there going, oh, blimey, here we are. It's winter. But winter means yeah. football, doesn't it? I guess. Well, ordinarily, <laughs> ordinarily, it would mean football. It would mean you know going to going to matches and seeing your mates and cheering your team on. But it doesn't at the moment, so that's equally depressing. 
I, I tell you what is really depressing. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how to say this, um, Andy, um, but it's confession time. I finally caught up with the Spurs documentary, The All or Nothing on Amazon. Right. And, and, and I found out they weren't all satanic, hateful people. Um, and I'm I, not going to have a conversation about Spurs on the Chelsea podcast, mate. <laughs> no, but... It, I'm, it, I'm refusing to engage <laughs> with this conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was very interestingly put together. You, you um, think it's as interesting as you want, mate. I'm not having this conversation with you on, on the Chelsea podcast. Have you watched it? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? I'm not engaging with this conversation. <laughs> this is not what the listeners want to hear, Kerry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I just find it quite hateful that, that that thing was on for so many hours and took up most of my time, um, uh, spare time this week. I found it a very strange thing. Um, I'm not sure I want to watch anything more about other teams, I have to say. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you a, qu- a quick story about my neighbour, who's actually a Tottenham fan. Um, I bumped into him after we'd done the podcast last week and um he walked past me and it was before spurs played in the in the evening and he he walked past me and i was talking to a neighbor and he said oh oh well look you messed up a three goal lead and uh, you shouldn't be doing that and i said uh, excuse me it was actually a two goal lead and you know these things happen and let's see what you do later he said well we won't be as bad as you that's for sure cut to that when that third goal went in against Tottenham I was howling with laughter and normally I see my neighbour most days I haven't seen him once this week it was just such sweet retribution you know um just shows I mean it's you just never do that never if you're playing later in the day always keep your powder dry because you never know what's going to happen I just think it's such a foolish thing to do isn't it to go and mock someone before you've played because, you know, that's, that stuff happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've not been funny. It, after 25 years of misery, even when we were winning things really regularly, I never crowed about it to other teams because I remember those years of misery. And I just, I just don't get into that whole thing, you know. Oh, my team, yeah, we... I think it's okay. I mean, but... it's all right. If you've won something to rub another fan's nose into it, absolutely. But, <laughs> you know, if you're going to mock their failures when, you know, you could easily be set up for a fall, that's just dumb. That's just silly to do that I mean I'm you know more than happy to send pictures of our team celebrating a Champions League win to Spurs and Arsenal fans um, you know once once you've actually won but um, you know that that kind of uh, pride before a fall thing I don't I don't do that that's silly yeah well all I had in my mind when that third goal went in was him sitting slumped in front of his TV hopefully thinking of me and mm. <laughs> and that was it. So, you know, um, but uh, yeah, other than that, um, it's been a funny old week for for football. Um, you know, we've we've got this talk about proposed European leagues. We've got Project Big Picture, which was actually a very small reserve picture for the elite clubs. How did you see all of that this week? And, and what do you think about all these measures to sort of really what seems like improve the chances and the money for the bigger clubs and smaller clubs well, suffer. We, well, we spoke about it a little bit last week, didn't yeah. we? Uh, yeah, but the but the whole European League thing came out this week even more so. Well, I saw that. I, I wasn't quite sure of what that was, really. I read it as a replacement for the Champions League, a sort of midweek Super League, if you like, not, not a, a replacement for the Premier League. Uh, I saw it as... Um, 
as running side by side. That's how I read it. I mean, I don't know if anybody can put me right, but for me, it's 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 a replacement for the for the European Cup in inverted commas. That that's what it is. Um, is it a good thing? Probably not. I quite like the idea that you could you know you could you could win your crappy little league in you know wherever you are. Azerbaijan and still be in 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 the uh, in the Champions League. I quite like that minnow element of it. However, I suppose realistically, those group games, TV wise and commercially wise, you know, when you've got Krasnodar and back and and Karabag and teams like that, you know, that we have played or are going to play, they don't really make sense financially. So I can understand the bigger clubs and UA for thinking there might be a different way of doing it. If it was a replacement for the Premier League, I'd be absolutely outraged, and I don't think that would ever happen. Um, I don't think you'd ever get rid of the domestic league. But if it's a replacement for the Champions League, I think it's worth discussion, having a, you know, having a discussion about it. Um, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the slight issue is that because it would be on a league basis it will take up more time because they're looking at 16 clubs or, or so is from what I can understand. It seems to have been shut down the sort of discussions quite quickly. So uh, watch this space. I mean, it would only work if they played each other once. I mean, you couldn't do home and away, could you? Cause that would be 32 games, which would be way too many to fit into a, an average season. So that that's the issue. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you could play each other once and not have home advantage unless everybody played at a neutral ground or I don't know. It, it seems very complicated and I don't think it'll happen. So I mean it's something that rears its head every now and then, this idea of a European Super League and nobody's been able to make it work so far. No, I, I can't see how it happens because once you get numbers like sixteen teams in, it becomes a proper league which you can't just do once a midweek it it doesn't work for all the reasons you're saying home and away is important in all these sort of games uh, and, and these situations so you know we'll see we'll see I, mean, I don't know how many games do you have to play now to win the champions league uh we've well, got so there's four teams in the group stage isn't there so that's six, six games. group stage six games and then there are seven eight nine ten it's probably about 11 or 12 games isn't there to win the champions league 13 okay so, so you know you could probably make it work if it was everybody playing each other once but not if everybody's playing each other twice i can't i can't see how it would work without really impacting on the domestic game you know unless you got rid of the domestic cups for those teams, so those teams didn't play in the FA Cup or the League Cup. Yeah, I I don't know. It it seems um, ham fisted, and the implication was teams would play each other home and away, and I just don't see how that can even vaguely work. So you know, yeah. we'll, we'll see. So if you you know if if you came out of the FA Cup and the League Cup, you probably could make it work. Yeah, but that's making it work for a small amount of teams, isn't it? No, I'm not saying it's yeah. right. I'm just saying you could make it work logistically if you basically said that those elite teams were only going to play in the Premier League and the European Super League. That's the that's the only way you could win. But they weren't going to participate in any domestic cup competitions. Yeah, we will see. Watch this space. It's it's always going to keep on appearing. I think. Um, but yeah, we, we will see. Um, but anyway, moving on to to this week. Um, well, we kind of moved into a period of, of trepidation. We had Sevilla up first in this big week of two gigantic games against Sevilla and Man U. And as we were talking about last week, we were saying the one problem that I think a lot of people seem to forget is that Frank has had a real problem 
in picking the actual defenders that he wanted because of people being away or injuries and what have you. And finally, this, this was the week where we saw him decide who was going to play rather than having to pick who was going to play from who was actually available. Um, so this was a, a week where we were thinking, well, we'll find out a lot more about Frank. And we were quite down on how things were last week. But this week, we saw him start to choose sides uh, in a way that he wanted to. So moving into the severe game to start with, uh, how did you feel about the lineup and and who he managed to pick? Well, I mean, you know, it, it was it was perfectly fine, wasn't it? I mean, there's, you know, you had, uh, you know, the only issue being, um, as you say, you know, who, who who was going to play as opposed to who was available. So Mendy in goal, uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, Azpilicueta didn't get a start and that he went with Rhys James instead. So Mendy, James, Silva, Zuma. Silva and Zuma seems to be his preferred centre-back partnership now. Chilwell played at left-back, so four at the back. Um, and then Jorginho, Kante um, and Havertz with Mount, Werner and Pulisic. So it was nice to see Pulisic coming on and playing almost the whole game. and substituted in the 92nd minute, but almost the whole game. Um no Kovacic again. I mean, Kovacic came on as a sub after 65 minutes, but Kovacic seems to be um, not getting a look in because Jorginho seems to be the preferred midfielder at the moment. So that might be worthy of discussion. But apart from that, that's a strong team. And I didn't have any problems with that, did you? No, none at all. And and I think it is as we thought. You know, I'd always said that I thought it would be P when it's a four for quite a while until Reese James becomes properly integrated and will take over well it looks as though that happened last week so it seems like at a four quite possibly Reese is going to come out over Aspi we'll see I think it's a, a changeable position that I was really happy with it and to be fair the one thing I think is actually that the glue that makes them then survive is the goalkeeper and I think, in a way, Mendy didn't have too much to do against Sevilla. But you know what? He bounces around. He's on his toes. He's moving around. He looks as though he's talking to people. He makes saves. Whether they're simple or not, it's kind of irrelevant. You know well, what? he made an absolutely pivotal save in that game. Absolutely. You know, he, made, he, he, made a, he made a save that was you know, absolutely key, as he did against Man United. So, listen, let's not get carried away. Let's not get overexcited. These are early days. You know, he's not the second coming. Um, you know, let, let's see how he develops as a player. There'll probably be some errors along the way. Um, you know, almost made an error against Man United, didn't he? But, you know, it's nice to see that he looks solid and stable. He comes with crosses. He looks very calm. He talks. There's a lot to like about him at the moment, but it's early days. Yeah, my, my point was, uh, I was going to say, the strange thing is, he looks like a goalkeeper. I've no idea how good he is or how how he'll... What do you mean by that? Well, he looks like a goalkeeper. He looks alive and alert. Kepper looked tentative all the time, especially through this last six months. So Kepper never looked as though he was ever commanding, and we've talked about this a lot. Mendy looks as though he's immediately switched on to doing the simple things right he's he's taking his positions he's working out there's there's been we've seen already a crosses where he's come for one 
and realised he's not going to get there, and he shuttled straight back to the middle of the goal. He he seems to be thinking about things. I think Kepa's got his confidence destroyed and has lost that ability to read the simple things. So yeah, I think I think Mendy looks like an actual goalkeeper who looks as though he's trying to get the right things done early on in, in his career. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he he looks he looks great at the moment. Um, yeah, I think he's got a couple of things he can tidy up, but I like his presence. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. Yeah, no, I I think it makes a hell of a difference. And then I suppose also the other thing, and and that save was actually stunning because at first you thought, oh, maybe it was a bit flappy until he saw that shot from behind the goal and that deflection. I mean, it, it was just brilliant and. There was such strength in pushing it away. It was just, it was just great to see because you could see he was thinking about what he had to do rather than just parry it and it goes to someone. You could see it was almost like he was going, I have to push it over to that direction. So, yeah. No, I, it was very good. And um, what, what was interesting about it was he didn't have a lot to do. So he was alert enough to, um, you know, to, 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 to be there when he was needed. That was our first clean sheet in the Champions League since... We beat Ajax 1-0 in uh, October 2019. So really significant on so many levels that we managed to, to, to create a shutout in that game. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, against, I, the Europa, against the Europa League champions. Yeah. The, so they're, they're a decent team. They're no mugs. No, absolutely. And they're a proper team. Um, and it just seemed like Frank's had enough, hadn't it? That he's gone, I've got to go back to the basics, which is, okay, midfield, an attack I can work on the most important thing is to stop this shipping of goals and that seems to be as we've seen through this week where he's concentrating all his abilities and all his thoughts and all the coaching yeah I'm, I'm, and I'm all for it and we've discussed it at length you know the fact that we really do have to shore up this defence and once we've done that we can start to build other aspects of the team I mean all these idiots turning around and saying well it's two nil nils that's not good enough you know we should be scoring goals look how much money we've spent I mean if you think that you're an idiot there's no two ways about it go back to playing FIFA because you know ultimately you don't understand football if you don't understand that where our deficiencies are at the back you need to sort that out that has to be the priority and you can build from there you know and then and then there are other things that need sorting out Havertz is being played out of position. You know, it's ridiculous where he's playing at the moment. But I guess Frank Lampard is 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 thinking of balance at the moment, and and without Zayek fully fit and able to do ninety minutes, I, I, you know, there, there's there's issues in terms of where he puts players in. You know, you have to play Havertz as a ten to get the best out of him. Don't play him on the right wing. Doesn't work. You know, doesn't doesn't play to any of his strengths. Um, but you know, apart from that, I think it's it's uh, it was a, a really interesting, solid game. We didn't get to have too many shots on goal. Maybe six shots on goal, you know, in the entire game. Um, wasn't wasn't fantastic from that point of view. But um, I just think that well, four shots on target, six six shots in total. You know, I think that's the lowest for a long time. And but you know, it was all fine. It was all fine. Just don't lose. Don't lose to teams like Sevilla. That that's the key. And don't lose to teams like Man United. And also with the, with the Champions League, it's it's about not losing that first game because you remember last year we lost the first game against Valencia at home. It does put you on the back foot for the rest of the the whole group phase. So this keeps us well in it, um, sets us up nicely. We take confidence from it. One of the people who I thought was showed exactly why we bought him was Chilwell. Um, 
Uh, he was excellent in the game. Really excellent. Oh, he was man of the match for me. Uh, he just oozes yeah, class. Too. And he smoothly fits into the team. He seems to do the sensible things. There was that brilliant moment, which, you know, we've seen Marcus Alonso at the back post. And, and you know, I don't want to be rude about Marcus. You know, he's done some great things for us over the years, especially going forward. But there was that moment when the ball came to the back post and he saw Chilwell just peek round over his shoulder, saw the man was there at the back post, and he just went back, and he just put a little dig into him and put him off, and it was brilliant. It is what we've missed from a full-back with crosses. Yeah, um, he played very well. He played extremely well against Jesus Navas, who we know from his Man City days is a really classy winger. I thought he played well in the game, but that was a great battle between those two, um, and I thought Chilwell, I don't think he was so good in the Man United game, but he was excellent in the Sevilla game. Yeah, it was it was a slightly different it was a slightly different setup for the United game. Uh, maybe we'll find out that he's better in a four as opposed to a five. Uh, he's I, a better fullback than he is a wingback. That makes a change, though, doesn't it? I, I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so you know, I, I I thought he was he was fantastic, um, and yeah, I thought it was one of those. I think. We did the defending from the front pretty well. We we also everyone worked at, at, at trying to do their job against Sevilla. And okay, that may hinder us going forward by the nature of it. But I think it's so important just to get everyone going. Hey, look, we got a clean sheet. This is good, as you say. Now we can move on. You know, over the next few weeks, and we can try to mm. adapt because we'll start believing our defence doesn't concede goals just because. Yeah, and I think we absolutely. Just... Uh, Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I th- you know, I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, I think it was a, a really solid performance and a needed performance, really needed performance, as was the Man United game. And you know, other other players worthy of note in that game. I thought Jorginho had a decent game. Um, I thought um, uh, Timo Werner looked a little bit lost in the game. Didn't really get any service. Looked a little bit lost in the United game as well. So we have to think about how to get the ball to him and play to his strengths. So there were, there were some really interesting aspects in that game that came out of it that I'm sure Frank and his team have looked at. Yeah, um, but I think all the, the whole conversation will be all about the great big fat zero that, uh, that was by our name, so uh, by their name. So it's, it's great. We, we, we move forward and it, it was just one of those games. I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was very tactical. Um, I thought it was the kind of game you could see a little bit more from Frank what he was trying to do once he's got a defence that works. Um, I still, and maybe we'll talk about him more uh, for the United game. Um, I'm concerned about Kante at the moment. I, I think he's great at disrupting, but his passing, and especially against United, and we can talk about that in a bit, he, j- he just doesn't quite feel like the player. Now, whether that's because he's still getting fit, I don't know. Does, does Kante concern you at the moment? I don't think it's the Kante that we're used to over recent seasons, which was eight, nine out of ten Kante every game. I wonder if it's to do with the setup at the moment, with who he's playing with, with the role that he's been asked to perform. I think there are issues. It's Kante, though. I'm not overly concerned about him. Um, you know, he's still he's still up there with the best players on the pitch every game that he plays. Um, we're just not perhaps getting 9 out of 10 Kante. But, I, yeah, th- there's an issue there. I think he's probably around the pivot in midfield and, and, and what he does with that. But, again, I think that's part of the project of how you how you get that balance in the team right. Balance isn't quite right at the moment. 
No, it's not, and I, I think it is. It's not about, about him. I don't think it's about. I don't think it's about Kante. I don't think it's about him as a player, him technically or fitness wise. I think it's about system. Okay, that that was going to be my next point. Was is it the system that's not quite working for him? Because at the moment yeah. he's trying to pass forwards, and his passing is not very good at the moment. Um, so is it a problem with the way he plays with Jorginho, or is it the way that? Are our front players a bit too far away from our midfield? It's probably to do, as I said, to do with the pivot in midfield. Yeah. So, yes, it probably is working with, with Jorginho. That's not quite working. Um, and I just think Frank needs to have a look at that and have a think about it. And, and if he wants to play Jorginho and Kante together, then he needs to figure out how best to play them together because it's not quite clicking at the moment. Transitions generally aren't aren't clicking. Um, taking the ball, and I've said this for months and months and months, getting the ball from defence to attack, the transition is not quite working. We don't seem to have an obvious game plan for moving the ball forward. There's a lot of sideways, backward stuff, um, which isn't sort of doesn't seem to feel like Frank's preferred option and I wonder why that is whether that's personnel or whether that's lack of confidence or players playing within themselves and not taking risks and not running at players I don't know what it is but it's not quite working so that I think after we've sorted the defense out has got to be the next area of focus how do we transition that ball through midfield so that players like Kante can play to their strengths yeah and I think there's there's something in the fact that all the front players because we haven't had the ball getting to them too much in these last two games they they have looked uh, impatient at times so they're looking for the killer pass every single time rather than working it through again I, I'm not overly concerned about this because as we're saying the most important thing get the defense right everything else will follow afterwards but they do well teams are playing very comp teams are playing very compact against us so when the ball gets to the edge of the 18 areas you have got a wall in front of you so we have to figure out a way of bypassing that you know that's a you know because they know that we've got that front three that all want to operate in and around the 18 yard box so if you play very very compact in the 18 yard box it, it reduces the amount of room so whether that's crosses or whether that's balls in the channel or whether, or what, whatever it is that's got to be figured out because it's very, very difficult to play the way we're playing against a very compact opposition. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. So so all in all, were you happy with a nil-nil? Was it actually, did it almost feel like as good as a as a 2-0 win? In, in a weird kind of way, knowing what we've been through this last year and a bit, that... You know, we we haven't, as you no, said, it didn't. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like a win, Kerry. It felt it felt positive, but I think you have to separate a draw from a win. It didn't feel like a win. It felt like a, a work in progress, and and that's good. And that that's a tick in the box. And I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Both those games I enjoyed for that reason. But no, it didn't feel like a win. I've got to be honest. You know, I still feel slightly deflated that we didn't get points in either of those games. But, you know, I accept that it's a means to an end. And so from that point of view, it was enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it because I think we saw a tactical awareness from Frank in the game with his defenders. You know, we'll see. I agree with you, it's a work in progress, but I can't remember the last time I enjoyed a nil-nil so much, just purely for the fact that suddenly we stopped conceding, and I think that's huge. All right, well, look, uh, it's time for us to go to the break, and we'll be back after this.
If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. So after that uh, game against Sevilla... Did you have trepidation? <laughs> there was something that Frank said after the severe game where people said, oh, this, this uh, must lift you having a defensive performance like that for the United game. He said, well, I think they'll be probably lifted themselves after winning against Paris in, in Paris. Um, so were you nervous? I mean, because Man U, for a long time, going to Old Trafford was quite a good thing for us. We, we've got a great record there, but not over the last few years. So you mean, were you nervous about the United game more so than, say, the Sevilla game? Um, always nervous when you go to a place like Old Trafford, because, you know, whatever you say about them being a, a, a weakened version with a weakened manager, they're still a dangerous team. They're still a team that will, you know, rise to the occasion in big games. So I think if you're not nervous when you're playing Man United, then you haven't really watched football properly over the last 15 years or so, because, you know, these are always games that could go either way. They absolutely smashed us home and away. Well, it smashes, but they, you know, they beat us convincingly home and away last season. Uh, obviously, we, we got our revenge in, in, in the cup, but, uh, um, they're not a team that that lay down and, and have their tummies tickled against us. So I think if you do, if you're not slightly trepidatious when you go into these games, there's something there's something a little bit deluded about you. <laughs> so again, well, going going to the teams, um, the lineup was different, the system was different. Were you surprised he went to a three at the back? There was only one change in the team, wasn't there? Yeah, so there was only as Piliqueta coming in. Uh, into the team, Mount drop into the bench, wasn't it? I think. Um, yeah. But yes, they they went three at the back. Um, so that's uh, that worked. I think that worked against Man United, didn't it? When when we beat them. Um, so he's obviously gone back to that. Um, and I, I, when I looked at that, I thought, yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, as as Pelicueta, Silva, and Zuma as the three central defenders, with Reese James and Chilwell as the wing backs. Um, and then you have uh, Jorginho, uh, Jorginho, Kante, um, and uh, Havertz, uh, and Pulisic and Werner. So you know it's it's interesting. And again, Havertz being played out of position, um, which you know, which is it is what it is. I guess he's trying to figure that out at the moment. Yeah, um, I, I tell you, I, w- I was a bit nervous when I saw the change of shape just because we got it so right against Sevilla on the whole um, that. I was thinking, oh, will they cope with changing? But it's amazing what confidence does because I thought we stepped into those positions really well. And I I thought on the whole, yeah, of course, United got some chances. But on the whole, I think our defence acquitted itself in that shape really, really well. Um, And I would say I didn't mention him from the first game because I think he's. this is the time to mention him. Um, A man called Serenity. Tiago Silva. I mean, he is so calm in the middle of it. I mean, if he's this good at 36, 
What was he like when he was 26? I, I thought he was fantastic. Well, we know what he was like. He, he was brilliant. <laughs> we know yeah. what he was like. We used to watch him play. He's brilliant. Yeah, ex- but we only saw him a little bit. You know, can you imagine having somebody around like that week in, week out? I mean, he just, if he's like that all the time, and we'll find out through the season as well, he just oozes confidence and, and he seems to keep everyone calm. And I thought it was interesting. He seemed to keep Zuma calm in the United game because Zuma had made some mistakes with his passing against Sevilla. This game, it was was interesting because United really pressed our defenders but left Zuma as the man open all the time so that we'd have to give the ball to Zuma. And you could see that Silva was talking him through it, making Zuma do the simple things, you know, just get it to another person in blue seemed to be the instruction. And he just looks as though he, he look. We know he's stopgap, but he might be a perfect stopgap to help bring on some of these players. Yeah, he's a great player. He played really well, and you know, hopefully, we will use him effectively for the time that we have him. But still, try and find the centre back that's going to be there for a long time and grow into the team with with youth on their side because we can't rely on a player like Silva, good as he is, for more than. One, one or more seasons. There's, there's not many seasons left in him. I mean, it's just age. So yes, brilliant, great, but he's a stopgap, and we need to be looking very, uh, very diligently for a replacement. Yeah, I, I, at this moment in time, until everything's settled, you do worry about how Frank's going to manage him. Um, w- at what point does he start resting him in certain games and bringing him in for others? Because I, w- I would think and I'd suggest that at this moment in time, probably the Premier League is the place that he'll concentrate and perhaps we won't see him miss too many games in there. And maybe on some of the lesser potentially lesser games in the Champions League, he might rest him. How do you think Frank will move forward with him? Well, he has to. He has to. You know, And I think that if you're playing Krasnodar and Wren in the Champions League, then that's a perfect opportunity to rest him. Because if Christensen slash Tamori slash Zuma can't deal with those teams, then we've got a major issue. So they're perfect opportunities to rest him uh, in those games. And, and as, you, as you say, concentrate with him in, in, in the Premier League. Um, you know, I mean, you know my views on on our other central defenders. I don't think they're good enough. I think we're treading water with the central defenders that we've got. I don't even think Zuma's probably good enough to be a you know to be a, a fixture in our defence for years to come. So I, I think it's such a major part of the team that we need to fix. It's great that he's there. It's great that he's playing well with Zuma. You know, credit to Zuma. I thought he had a decent game, but and, and has had a couple of decent games. But I don't think that we have an elite back four at the moment and you know we're not going to win anything until we do yeah I I do think um Silver will bring the best out of players so that Frank will find out exactly what he's got because none of those other central defenders are actually leaders Silver is a leader so he will raise their game the interesting thing will be when he has to sit out how will it now be now we've got things settled Will actually help that they've got Mendy behind, who perhaps everyone feels a bit more confident in now. Um, we'll see. I'd be interested to see against Krasnodar whether he rests silver or not, whether he thinks it's he maybe. Will. Yeah, okay. Um, I think. I th- we'll see. I think he may he just. He has to, Kerry. Uh, no, he won't play him. He, he, he won't. He, he, absolutely, he won't. I mean, I mean, you'd be insane to play him against Krasnodar. Okay, we we will see. I mean, I agree with you. Know, you it's but- the weakest opposition in the Champions League, and we've got Premier League games coming up. You know, and and why would you play an aging 
defender that you're looking to you know to, to, to keep fit in the week against the weakest team in a group stage of the Champions League yeah well my point is we'll find out how much Frank actually trusts some of these others in a moment like this I, th- I think a lot will be revealed this week in that that front so yeah I, I would agree with you I'd rest him let's see let's see what Frank does um okay moving on to Mendy um we've already given him some big ups for the game against Sevilla what did you think about him against United okay he had that one little moment where he decided to roll the ball very close to to the goal um I in mitigation for him I'd say at that moment in time it was teeming down and it's just one of those things honestly if that had been Kepper in goal I'm afraid that probably would have gone in. That's what happens when you lux in or you lux out. Um, I could see that that would go in for Kepper and it would just be terrible. You know, dramatic scenes, awful, awful, awful. But Mendy managed to get away with it and he moved on. But again, I thought I thought he was fantastic. I thought his positional sense was great. I thought he did really well with that Rashford chance when he ran through and he made himself really quite big considering where he was in the goal. Um, and I think he's already done something whereby he's earned points, which is something you want from a keeper. You remember Peter Cech, nothing happens for 89 minutes and then saves one in the 90th minute that holds on to a draw or confirms a win for us. And this felt a little bit like that because I don't know about you, but there's a couple of those chances you feel at this moment in time, Kepper would not have saved. Yeah, I think that... um... You know, Mendy was excellent throughout the game. I, I never thought that was going to go in, the mistake. I thought it was a lack of concentration. I, I didn't think it was ever going to go in. I mean, it was silly that, you know, it went out for a corner and, um, you know, put us under pressure. And if they'd have scored from the resulting corner there, but it would have been hell to play. Um, but it was, a, it was a worrying lack of concentration. Yes, you're right. It was raining very hard and whatever, you know. It, but, but I think the other stuff that he did in the game completely overshadowed it. He was fantastic. I thought he made a couple of great... Saves the save from Rashford, where he came out and narrowed the angle. Save with his feet, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, the save at the end, I don't think Kepper would have got anywhere near it. I don't think he would have moved. Um, and, and that was a game, a game drawing, or point saving uh, save. So I think, yeah, a really good credit in his bank for that one. I, ju- I just think he played very, very well. And um, you know, it's, if we can keep playing at that level, he's going to be great. And that's the key, Kerry. He has to play like that week in, week out. Not just the occasional game. Great goalkeepers play every game. Consistency is the, is the name of the word. And, and that's what we need from him. So ask me after 10 games what I think of Edouard Mendy and I'll tell you. Because at the moment, great, but I want to see him do it week in, week out. Yeah, I, I think... Judging by his history and how he was out of work only six years ago and how he's fought through level after level in football, he understands the need to impress. And we've talked about this before with with Chelsea players that when you get in the team, you have to seize the opportunity. At the moment he seized it, I think you're right. The next thing once you've seized it is to find out if there's consistency there. Hopefully, by the nature of the past that he's had and how he's got through the systems and the 
teams that he's been in, he's got that and he's got that desire and he's got that drive to be Chelsea's number one goalkeeper for a number of years. So, yeah. Well, I, I hope you're right. And I think I think it's, it's, it's a good point that you make. I just think we, we tend to get overexcited when new players come in and they put a couple of good performances together. You know, when, you know we start to build players up and then, and then we get disappointed. I think, you know, he's only played a handful of games. Let's see him play 10 games, 10 proper games and, and make a judgment then about, about what we think of him. Because at the moment, I think he's, he gets a little bit of a pass because he's new to the team. Um, but he's doing very well and we should celebrate that. But let's, let's not start to heap pressure on him by saying he's awesome because we don't know yet. No, but that's what I mean. He looks like a goalkeeper. That's all I wanted at first, and that seems to be where we are a few games he looks in. Very, he looks very assured, which I like, and he looks very calm, and, and calm is a, is a big uh, asset for any goalkeeper. So I want him to be great, and I think he is great. Um, I ju- I'm just not going to get carried away right at the moment. I've just, you know, we've been here before, that's all. I'm just yeah. slightly more cynical about it. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Anytime you see somebody in in the Chelsea team for the first time, you want them to be the best you've ever seen. So, yeah, I agree. Manage expectations, but I think, yeah. he, I think hopefully... That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. I, you know, let, let's not build ourselves up to get... Because what happens is if you, if you build a player up too much and then they don't perform, then the kind of... The disappointment is even more... Uh, you know, is even more intense, isn't it? And then you end up getting more and more sort of upset by the fact that they're not. Perform- I don't know. I, I just, I just let's be calm about it and and let, and let the guy do his job and and see what happens. But it's it's been a great start. I'm really pleased that he's been there. And you know, as I say, the performance against Man United shows that he's got everything you need to be a top top goalkeeper. All right, mo- moving on to a couple of the other people in the team. Um, Rhys James, how do you think he's performed this last week? He's started to look a little bit more assured, hasn't he? Um, he's are you a, feeling he's more a wing confident? back, not a fullback. He's yeah. a wing back, not a fullback. You know, and, and uh, in a three, he looks brilliant because he can maraud and he's got cover and he can be defensive, but he's, he's not the last man. I think that his crossing and his ability to move down the wing, to win the ball high up the pitch, all that stuff, I think, is, is his game. And he looks great in a back three. Uh, in a four, in where he has to play a fullback, not so great. A lot to learn. So, you know, a, a mixed bag, really. I think he's... Uh, you know, a player of immense, of immense talent and immense promise. Um, I, I prefer seeing him in a three than a four. Do you not think he had a good game against Sevilla then? Because I, th- I thought he yeah, was yeah I thought he did. I, I thought he, I, I thought he did fine. I thought he did fine. But it, I, I'm never 100 uh, percent confident when he's playing as a fullback. Yeah, I, I just thought we saw improvement from him in Sevilla as a fullback, and I, I actually thought he had a pretty good game. I know what you mean. Naturally, he's a wing back, but I think. By the looks of it, they are trying to get their coaching right and get him more aware of his defensive duties. But yeah, this is a story still being written, so we'll we'll see how that. Don't get right. He played he played well against Sevilla. You know, unfortunately, he was slightly outshone by Chilwell, who I thought was magnificent um, in the fullback position, and that's the standard I think you have to play at at fullback. You have to play at that standard at the Chilwell standard in that game, which is to be you know solid and thoughtful and. And read the game really well. And he doesn't read the game as well as a fullback, as well as he does when he's a wingback. That's my only point. It's not really even a criticism of him. It's just saying that's that's where he's at in his career at the moment. He just looks like a proper, proper player when he's playing wingback and looks like he's got a lot to learn when he's playing as a fullback. But yeah, progress, obviously. And, and that's great to see. 
All right. If you had to pick a favourite moment in the United game, do, do you have favourite moments? I always find there's something that sticks with me, and it's usually something not necessarily huge, but there were two moments for me. Did you have anything that stuck with you after the game? Well, obviously, the, the save from Mendy at the end was you know was was immense and you know that that saved the game for us um and as i said i don't think keppel would have got there i think he would have been rooted to the spot and his anticipation and his uh, ability to get there the fact that he pushed it to the side i thought that was a, a magnificent moment in the game okay mine uh, there are two moments one obvious one um which was the silver block against cavani which which mm-hmm. was just proper i mean it was it was like classical JT kind of block, you know, suddenly two players that know, two players that know each other very well as well. Exactly, you know, which I thought was good. Which leads me on to my my second favourite moment. There was a header um, that he won against Cavani, and he just had Cavani for breakfast. He was just jostling him, just getting him going. Managed to push him forward so that Cavani just jumped too early, and and then he just waited and headed the ball away. And it was just magnificent defending, and we just haven't seen that very much. But yeah, they were they were my 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 great moments from a man called mm. Serenity. Um, now I, I'll I tell you what it. my least favourite moment. I tell you what my least favourite moment was. As okay. Pelliquetta not getting that penalty. Just coming on to that. What a very good point. I was watching it at the time, and I thought, well, that's a pen. And then there was no appealing from the Chelsea players. And then apparently- Do you know what? I didn't. I didn't when I first watched it. I, I, I didn't. I, I hold my hands up. When I first saw it in real time, I was like, well, that's just 50-50 in the box. There's nothing. But when you saw the replay of it, when you saw him, you know, with his arms all over him, I mean, that's what VA there's. Well, there's no point in having VAR if they can't see that and, and review that. It was ridiculous. I mean, in real time, you can understand the referee, like me, going, well, that looked, looked, looked a bit messy, but it didn't like a pen. Um, and then you look at it again and you think, oh, my word, you know, that, that's, that's an absolute stonewall penalty. Yeah, maybe And the I- fact that they, they, they checked it and they still decided that it wasn't is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. When I watched it, I thought it was, and I thought, oh, well, it can't have been. It, it just looked unnatural the way that Aspi went down. So I was thinking, well, that looks like a pen. And I thought, oh, well, it can't be, because it was also, it's one of those checks while everything's going on. It wasn't even, you know, like a, a full-blown serious check by the looks of it. And then, as you say, when you look at it again, sorry, there's absolutely no way on God's earth that can't be a penalty. And I just don't understand when... I tell you what I hate as well is these referees they have. I mean, they didn't have it in the Sky thing, but on BT, Peter Walton, who they ask his opinions on decisions, he never goes against the referees. There's no point having them in the studio because this this moment was just ridiculous. Uh, Well, he should they he should have been told to go and look at the monitor. Exactly. You know, he, he, you know the, the VAR people should have said, you know, we, we think that this could have gone either way. You know, you may not have seen this. Go and have a look at it again and make a decision. And I honestly think if the referee had gone and looked at it again, he would have absolutely given a, given a penalty. And then that would have been the difference. That moment would have been the difference between people going, well, it was a solid enough, you know, draw and, and, and kudos to Frank for, you know, for sorting the defence out. But, you know, a little bit disappointing that we didn't win. To that was an amazing strategic performance by Frank Lampard's team. Not only were we solid at the back, but we managed to grind out a win. You know, that's the that's the margins, the difference between those two, you know, ultimate output from that game. It, it, okay, my, my point about the penalty as well is 
the Chelsea players didn't really try and mention it to the referee too much. I think Asby running back said, come on, that was a pen. That was about it. Um, there was no pressure put on the referee. Now, maybe that's just the right way of doing things these days. But do you not think perhaps if we'd have made more of it, the referee might have thought a little more about it? I don't know about that, Kerry. I mean, I think it's down to VAR. That It's absolutely down to VAR. The referee's just going to go, it's being referred. It's up to them. You know, it, you know, they they will make the decision, or they will advise the referee. You know, some some player going and getting in the referee's face just going to get a yellow card, aren't they? So yeah. doesn't make any doesn't make any sense. It's no, not. It's not. It's they're not going to change the referee's mind by shouting at him, are they? Because it's going to go upstairs to a VAR person who's going to turn around and say, in our opinion, it isn't. What they should have said, in our opinion, you should go and watch the monitor. That's what they should have said, and they didn't. I just wonder if the referee can actually say to them. Do you think I should look at it as opposed to if he sees that the players really are going, look, you know, this is honestly I think what's I think, I think that's reaching, mate. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, when has when a player shouting at a referee ever changed anything ever in no, the history of the of game? of course not. I don't mean shouting, but actually going, you know, it really was as much it's as that. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same uh, thing, isn't it? We'll see. But it, it was. It was a dreadful decision. Absolutely dreadful. Um, I mean, going back to your point, I don't think putting pressure... I mean, yes, I understand it out of frustration, and sometimes it can it can lead to uh, referees thinking about decisions later on in the game and so on and so forth. I don't necessarily think putting pressure on the referee in that instance would have changed anything at all. I think it was just a terrible, terrible decision by VAR. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's the kind of thing, if that's in rugby, that's a straight red card anyway for foul play. Once you're yeah. round the neck, um, you know, it was a nice, it was actually not very nice. Okay, he may not be gripping him tightly, but just having somebody in a headlock like that, I mean, it could have fallen really badly, you know. So, yeah, I, I, thought, it, I thought it was a disgraceful decision. Um, but there we go. VAR, we agreed that uh, on offsides, there's no discussions. Mathematically, that's how it is. But when you get interpretations from people, I don't, I don't get it. The, how can one person miles and miles away get it so horribly, horribly wrong and not involve? Well, we the said last referee? week. Said last week, didn't we? That you know, the offsides and the ball crossing the line, they're immutable. You know, that you can do that. The other stuff is a matter of opinion. But I think if you're going to have it, at least look at it properly and, and check it properly and ask the referee to reconsider. And if the referee looks at the monitor and goes, "Still don't think it's a penalty," fair enough. You know, then that's down to the referee, and I'll back that. But not going to the monitor and not looking at it, I think, is just it's a dereliction of duty. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, Okay, so yet again, we had the same problem as earlier in the week um, where our front players didn't get involved very much. The the only thing you'd say is that Pulisic looks as though he's stalking and we need to find a way to get him involved in the game more because he does look as though he's got that ability to burst past players and to really upset the lines. Um, again, I'm not overly worried but by the nature of what Frank's obviously set out to do this week. Um, Havertz playing out of position. The one thing I'm slightly worried about Havertz is... He doesn't look as though he gets stuck in too much when he's fighting for the ball. Um, he looks like he might need to toughen up a bit. And look, it's always hard when you come to a new league, I think. Um, does that worry you about Havertz? He looks a little bit lightweight at times. Beautiful, silky player. I love the way he can burst through. The, no, it doesn't worry you? No. 
Okay. No, not at the moment. Because he's playing out of position. Play him as a 10. That's his yeah. position. He's one of the most effective players in Europe at creating goals and creating chances. Why are we playing him out on the right wing? It's ludicrous. You know, play him as a 10. Play him, play him in the middle where he can affect the game. He cannot affect the game out there. I'm not worried about whether he's, you know, not, not you know, getting stuck in at the moment. That's not my concern. My concern is why are you wasting a generational player out on the right wing? It's really annoying me. So how would you change that lineup? Well, I think you've just got to play him more central. Don't waste him out on the wing. So, so where do you put him in that team? Because that would mean changing. So you play the... him. You play him in the in the De Bruyne role. You play him behind the striker. You play him as a ten. You know, you play you play three. You play three at the front. So you play whether it's Pulisic, uh, Zayek, and and uh, and Werner, and then you play Havertz in the hole behind them as a ten. It's obvious. So that means we'd have to go to a back four then. Well, probably, yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's what I'm just trying to see. Because I, I totally agree with you. I think Havertz is wasted out there. He's never played out there. Um, it's not his position. And I think he does put himself about. And I think, you know, it's difficult, you know, if you're asking a player, you know, who is, you know, a central player to track, is you know, to track in the same way that a, uh, a winger would or, or, you know, somebody who plays out wide would, you know, I just don't think that's fair. I think put him in the middle where he can perform a more Balak type role, you know, a big physical player where he can put himself about and, and mark the space a bit more rather than track people, speedy fullbacks up and down the wing. You know, I, I think you'll see a different player. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I was just asking because I'm, I'm curious as to how Frank will evolve. I, I would hope to see us move more to a back four this week and start integrating Havertz into it. Because I think out of everybody, he's the one who's suffering the most in these changes this week. Um, it's I think he's such a brilliant player that, you know, that, that to waste him in that position because you're concerned about the balance of the team. It's like build the team around him. Not make him part of built. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. make him the the absolute pivot, the hub of the team. That's what I would do. And then I think that he then releases Werner. He then allows the fullbacks, sorry, the wingers to you know to really maraud in you know down the wing because he's that he's that metronome in the middle that's going to create things and arrive late. In the same, you wouldn't play Frank Lampard out on the wing, would you? No. You wouldn't waste Frank Lampard out on the wing. And, you know, if you look at all the qualities that Havertz had, the arriving late in the box, the ability to score, the ability to assist, you know, it would be like putting Frank Lampard out at right wing. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. No, I, I totally agree. that That's why I'm curious as to what needs to happen. Because also, the one thing we've seen, when he goes through the centre... Uh, he and Werner seem to have a pretty good understanding. I think it was only about one pass or maybe two that that got played in from Havertz to Werner just by the nature of where they are on the pitch suddenly. Um, I, I think there's a disconnect when he plays to the right of Werner, and I think that needs to be addressed because it doesn't help Werner. I mean, I think only twice did we try and lob it up and over the, the defenders, and we got it wrong both times. Um and we need something more from that. And it's, I think you're absolutely right. It is not going to work when Havertz is out on the right wing. I mean, you know, you do worry about Pulisic and, and his hamstring, you know, because we haven't seen those afterburners since he's come back from injury. We haven't seen that searing pace. And I wonder if he's, that's in the back of his head. And I'm wondering if Pulisic is going to be one of those players that never quite, you know, recovers from lots of injuries. It's just a dark thought in my head. I hope he does. Yeah. Slightly concerned. Zayek isn't fully fit yet. So until we get those two players 
playing at their absolute best um, with Havertz playing in the role that we know that he can be devastatingly effective. You're not going to get the best out of Werner, which is a tragedy because he's one of the best strikers in Europe. Yeah. So I just think there's so much work to be done up top, but a lot of that's down to the fitness and the confidence of those players. Yeah. Uh, look, it all comes down to the fact that Frank now knows that his players can play as a back four and his players can play as a back five. So those are questions answered this week. I yeah, think, and that's I, good. That's a positive. I think we'll see the evolution now. Um, and I think that'll help Kante because I think he will now start having to look at that midfield. And he will have to address this issue. Does Kante and Jorginho together, do they work as a partnership? And if you're going to have them... Do you have Havertz in front of them? Maybe the question is, as you say, put Havertz in the middle and then look behind him and see what's, what works best for him. Personally, I think Kovacic is getting a bit of a raw deal at the moment. Now, this happens mm. with Frank. We've seen this. He's done this with players. They disappear for a while and then they come back. But I do think Kovacic isn't even getting a look in as a sub half the time. So... I don't know the how Jorginho thing is re- the Jorginho thing is very interesting. You know, I can see why he likes him. He's a pivot point. You know, he he's he's tempo player. If the if the player is ahead of him, then he can be an outlet for every pass and move the ball simply and start things. But it's not quite clicking at the moment. It works in certain games. I don't think Jorginho has a bad game. I just don't think he perhaps affects the game as much as we'd like him to. I don't know. It's a difficult one. He needs to figure it out. He needs to figure out how to put all these world-class players in a system that works to their strengths. Because at the moment, you've got players who aren't playing to their strengths. And again, that again, that's down to fitness. It's against availability, confidence. All those things need to come together uh, with a little bit of thought from Frank and his team. So I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there. And as you say, this week has been all about the defence. And I think we have to concentrate and focus on the positives. Well, look, last week we said all we want to see from this week is progression. And that's exactly what I think we've seen. So we're in a different place than we were a week ago. That is what we want. All right. Well, um, lastly on the United, I I know you don't often watch uh, all the roundups and the chat after the game, but can I make a special mention of Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank? I did. You see me on social media. I spoke. I spoke a lot about it oh, on social you? media. Okay. Yeah, and I, I just thought it was fantastic. And you know, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank versus Patrice Evra. I think that should be you know absolutely uh, uh, required viewing for every football fan because I thought it was fantastic. I mean, rather that than a load of Liverpool ex players just talking around speaking in football cliches. I mean, those two were going hammer at tongs at each other, and it was great. And Jimmy was brilliant. And Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank made the most pertinent point, which was if Chelsea now go on to win five games it will be they will look back and say it started at Old Trafford with that clean sheet and I think he's absolutely right that absolutely sums it up for me that's exactly the point I was going to make is this is what people have to understand and and ever didn't seem to get the fact that actually Chelsea haven't been able to defend for a year and a half or whatever and he was only just talking about the here and now and Jimmy was so calm but putting him down relentlessly. It was brilliant. To the point when Patrice Everett said, oh, yeah, he seems like such a nice guy over there, but I've got nine stitches in my leg from him. Do you mm. want to see my scar? It was just brilliant. He is the devil. He may be smiling, but he is... Uh, it was just genius TV. I loved Patrice it. Said, I mean, Patrice Everett's nuts, which is yeah. great, you know, in that situation. <laughs> um, no, it was really, really good. It was great, you know, and, and for me, that's what punditry's all about. Two people being very passionate about the game they've just watched, even if it was a nil-nil. It was great. 
Yeah, and you realise just how Chelsea Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank is. That's what I loved about it as well. Um, I, I, and I think he's an astute pundit, and he cares. It's great. Mm. All right, well, uh, it's time to get to the end of the show. So this week we've got Krasnodar away and then Burnley away. That's a lot of mileage we've had in, in this week um, coming up. So um, what are your thoughts on Krasnodar and then Burnley? Um, obviously, well, you're thinking Silver won't play at Krasnodar, which is good. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, like, I can't see why you would... Why you would... <laughs> you know risk necessarily playing some of your key players against what is we know the weakest team in the group we should have enough in the tank with our squad to be able to get past Krasnodar I mean I don't think it will necessarily be a game of fireworks um but you know if we can beat them 2-3-0 I'd be happy about that and and you know well in fact any any one will be fine but you know I think I think we can put a few past them and I think it's an opportunity for some of the players that are currently sitting slightly on the fringes maybe Callum Hudson-Odoi you know to 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 come in and 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 show what they're made of you know so I'm going to go for a 3-0 win against Krasnodar Burnley are third from bottom at the moment they've only got one point from their four games they're not looking particularly solid. Um, we know they haven't got a huge amount up top, but they are dangerous from set pieces and balls into the box. We seem to have put some work into figuring that out. So if we can get at them, uh, the firepower that we have, this might be the game where that element of our game clicks. So again, I'm going to go for a 3-0 win. Okay, sounds good. And I guess, sadly, Krasnodar is exactly the kind of game you would have thought about going to last year or a couple of years ago. You know, you, you like yeah. your away days. It, it, Absolutely. It, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's such a shame. a shame. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm not sure we'll score that many. Um, I would be looking to hopefully get two more clean sheets. That's what I think. But I think maybe we'll get the... Goals four column ticking again. Krasnodar, yeah, I'll go. I'll go two nil. Burnley away. Um, I I would be happy with a one nil win. Um, yeah, well, I'd be happy with any win, frankly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so that's my thoughts. Right. Well, look, that's us out of time. Great as always catching up with you, Andy, and thanks for your thoughts as always. Now, how can everyone get in touch with us as usual? Well, they can uh, contact us or follow us on social media. You can follow us on uh, at Chelsea Podcast on Twitter. Um, uh, you can follow me on at Mr. A Saunders. You can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy, which is C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y. Uh, on Instagram, you can follow us on The Chelsea Podcast. Uh, you can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy 1, C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y 1. And you can follow me on at One True Saunders. So get in touch. Uh, DM us. Tell us what you think. Uh, all feedback is gratefully received. Brilliant. All right, Andy, we're out of time. Thank you as always. I will catch up with you next week. Have a great week. And you, mate. Take care. Cheers. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.